We've all got stories. There's probably three or four moments in your life that were just complete madness, and you tell those tales time and time again. And while I have no doubt that these stories are compelling and outrageous, yarns told by fighters just hit a bit different because if it's noteworthy to someone who gets locked in a cage to punch people for a living, it's probably pretty wild. And so today we're going to explore 10 such tales from some of our favorite mixed martial artists. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. A huge thank you to the biggest channel supporters in our Hall of Famers, and these are 10 absolutely insane stories told by fighters. Number 10, Matt Brown. And by the way, I missed weight one time in my life, and there's actually kind of a funny story behind that. A funny story indeed, Matt. Some of you youngsters might not know this, but back in 2014, before there was TikTok and Riz, the thing we call the ceremonial weigh-ins was just the actual weigh-in. And prior to his fight with Robbie Lawler, Brown was close to weight but needed just a bit more time. There's no two-hour window for a crowd, though, and so the UFC told Matt not to worry about it, since he could have an hour after weighing in to cut the rest. Backstage, though, Brown was approached by a doctor who ordered him to stop cutting weight. So Matt started drinking some water to get rehydrated before his fight. There was just one problem, though, with this entire scenario. Dana comes over like five minutes later and he goes, hey, did somebody just tell you not to cut weight? I said, yes, I'm a doctor. He goes, that dude's not a doctor. <laughs> he's like, he's like, we don't know who that guy is. Well, okay then, apparently the imposter had told other fighters to stop cutting weight as well. Just some agent of chaos. Hi. I'd like to think he was walking around with a stethoscope wearing some scrubs, so the UFC thought, eh, he's legit. For the mysterious fake doc debacle, Brown was not fined part of his purse, and was even allowed fight of the night honors. Number 9. Brock Lesnar You know, we've all had to deal with Brock Lesnar being a white boy and jacked for so long that none of us have ever stopped to ask Brock how he deals with it. And the answer was entire bottles of vodka a day and fists full of painkillers. Back during his first WWE run, Brock's life was on a treadmill heading straight to hell, and so to save his own life, he quit and tried out for the NFL. This would of course lead him to MMA, but did you know that Dana wanted nothing to do with him at first? He wouldn't even take his phone calls, in fact. So Lesnar devised a plan on how to get White's attention the night Randy Couture fought Gabriel Gonzaga in Vegas. I bought a ticket, sat in the stands, watched the whole show, and at the end of the show, I jumped the guardrail, escaped a, a few security guards, <laughs> ran up and, and tapped Dana White on the shoulder and introduced myself, and uh, that's where the ball got started rolling. Can you imagine being some low-paid security guard who was trying to stop Brock Lesnar from doing anything? The Beast Incarnate's plan worked, of course, and less than a year later, he was stepping foot in the octagon. You see, kids, if you follow your dreams and are one of the most freakish human beings ever, you can do anything. Number eight, Michael Bisping. People love to debate on Twitter if NFL players or jacked-up bodybuilders could beat up UFC fighters. <laughs> Occasionally, elite special forces operators are considered too. Well, Michael Bisping got to see that last matchup play out firsthand when he and a handful of other fighters were visiting some troops in Afghanistan to do a bit of training with them for a UFC PR trip. And then this guy says to Carlos Conde, another one of the special forces guys, do you want to spar? He's like, yeah, sure, I'll spar, no problem. And they put the gloves on. The, the uh, Special Forces guy says, how hard do you want to spar? And Carla says, well. Amazingly, we do have footage of this spar. You're looking at it right now. So as Mike tells the story, the operator threw a stiff shot out of nowhere to start, letting Condit know just how hard he could go. And, well, Carlos obliged him. Knocks the fucking Special Forces dude, unconscious. <laughs> and everyone's looking around in the room, everyone's like, holy shit. And I'm like, oh, Carlos, 
I'm not sure that was the smartest thing to do for fuck's sake. I don't want to die up here. They didn't, in fact, die up there. Turns out the guy was super cool with it, as was everybody else. But a lesson to anybody that wants to have a hard spar with the natural-born killer, maybe don't hit him in the face with your first punch as hard as you can unless you're looking to take a nap. Number 7. Frank Mir This one is crazy on the face, but even more absurd when you find out who it's about. Trust me, you'll see. So Frank Mir shared a second-hand account of something that happened at a gym he trained at on his podcast back in 2015. The subject of the tale was not named, but Mir did hint that he had UFC and pride experience. As the story goes, said pro fighter was taking a shower after practice when he overheard a blue belt amateur criticizing his abilities back in the training room. Instead of doing any number of things in that moment, including putting his clothes on, the fighter stepped out of the shower and decided to address the situation right then and there, naked. So he came out <laughs> in a rage, attacked said uh, critic, uh, who was basically balled up defenseless on the ground. Uh-huh. I'm like, why didn't you guys do anything? They're like, bro, he was naked. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the nudity, the other gym members finally decided to distract the fighter long enough for the blue belt to run out of the gym and drive away. Naked professional cage fighter in hot pursuit on foot until he managed to gather enough speed. Out of respect, Frank didn't name the fighter, but they outed themselves later that day on Twitter. Ready for this one? It was Phil Baroni. Yep, told you it got even more absurd. For those of you on a where Baroni is currently awaiting trial in Mexico for murder, but let's just move on. Number six, Forrest Griffin. Did you ever read Forrest Griffin's best-selling 2009 book, God Fight? Well, I did. Forrest was absolutely my favorite fighter at the time, and so I read the shit out of it. And while 99% of what he wrote has been wiped from my memory like Tommy Lee Jones hit me with a neuralizer, two stories remained forever. Both not technically told by Griffin. You see, he had these little excerpts throughout written by his friends and such. So these tales actually come from teammate and pro fighter John Wood, so it still fits the title of the video. Anyway, the first story was about a time they were driving home from training when someone cut Griffin off. Forrest then followed this person for two miles to their home to confront them. Wood wrote, I said, Forrest, get back in the car. Immediately, he spun around and started going apeshit on me. Don't use my motherfucking name. Don't use my motherfucking name. Wood probably rightly deduced that Forrest was contemplating doing some super illegal stuff, supported entirely by the fact that Griffin backed up the whole way out of the apartment complex to avoid the man seeing his license plate. The other story was about a time John and Forrest were stuck in a hotel with some guy they didn't like, and to scare him, Griffin held a lighter under his own arm long enough for it to bubble and bleed. He didn't treat the wound either, he just went back to watching TV afterwards like he didn't get third-degree burns. So yeah, don't fuck with Forrest Griffin. Number 5. Matt Hughes The now infamous biography Made in America by Matt Hughes, legendarily reviewed by Sean McCorkle on the Underground Forums, is a pretty damn wild book. And the most unhinged story in it is without a doubt about Matt and his twin brother Mark bringing Mark Fiore to their uncle's farm for some pig castrating. The joke of the story's inclusion meant to be, haha, city boy is grossed out by normal farm stuff. Except, well, I'll just read the passage. We stood there for another minute, pelting him with testicles and dead baby pigs, while he tried his best to block the carnage. Mark and I were all-American wrestlers, so quitting was not an option. You're probably thinking, what's that last sentence got to do with anything? And the answer is, I have no idea. Some context, though, they didn't kill the pigs they were hurling at their friend like they were having a 
joyous, laughter-filled snowball fight, they were already deceased, so I guess there's that. Speaking of fighters and animals, though, number four, Bryce Mitchell. If I said name a fighter that's put a deer in a chokehold, my guess is it wouldn't take you but five tries to land on Bryce Mitchell. The camo-loving Arkansas native truly is about that life, and so it's really no surprise that he might have a few wild backwoods stories. For some context, the telling of this tale started because Instagram had been taking down Bryce's pictures of squirrels he hunted. People post pictures of cheeseburgers. They do, Bryce. That's very true. Anyway, choking a deer out, so after missing a shot at a sleeping doe 40 yards away from him with the only bolt he had for his crossbow, Mitchell decided to hop out of the tree stand and take care of the deer himself. But he forgot his hatchet, so rather than go back up, he decided to take matters into his own hands, literally. Shit, I hopped on that deer. I, I couldn't get my right hand in because the way it was laying, it was laying on its right side, so I choked it with my, my weaker arm. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't do a body triangle, so I just crossed my ankles mm -hmm. and squeezed every living Damn. shit out of it. Just squeezed it for about five minutes till my coach got there. Oh yeah, so right before he did this while standing over the deer, he texted his coach that he needed help because he fully anticipated getting hooved up by this doe. But that's not what happened. In fact, when the coach came to finish the job with a blade, the deer was already gone. Imagine hiking and you just come across some dude choking a deer out in the middle of the forest. How do you, how do you even process that? Insanity. Number three, Anderson Silva. I really want to learn Portuguese. Think about how many incredible fighters have come from Brazil. There must be an infinite number of fascinating stories and interviews that just get lost in translation or never translated at all. Chris Nolan can only be in so many places at once. A perfect example of this is the story from Anderson Silva's Portuguese language biography about a time he temporarily lost his mind when he fought for shoot -a box One day at the gym, coach Rafael Cordero confronted the spider over some jujitsu classes he was teaching as a side hustle. Words were said, angry ones, and then Cordero slapped Anderson in the face, prompting Silva to do what any of us would do, grab a shotgun and recruit two local yokels to hide outside someplace Anderson knew Cordero would be heading to soon. But while they were waiting, his unnamed accomplices decided they didn't want to participate anymore, and so Anderson took his boomstick and went home. He would go on to be the greatest middleweight in MMA history instead of going to jail for whatever it is he was planning on doing with that shotgun. Number two, Anthony Smith. It is a nightmare scenario. Your significant other wakes you up from a dead sleep in the middle of the night and says somebody is in the house. Even worse, you have kids in another room. The only thing I can imagine that would be more scary is a garage door opening to reveal John Jones sprinting at you with a shotgun. Anthony Smith faced that exact scenario. The first one, not the Jones thing. I ran out from my bedroom as soon as I turned the corner, uh, standing in, a, in my computer room uh, was a a strange guy that I've never seen before. And he just started yelling. And and that's where kind of pandemonium started. That's definitely one word for it. Despite the home invader being undersized and undertrained, Smith said it was the fight of his life controlling this man who was hopped up on something. Smith would keep him subdued until police arrived about five minutes later, but the beating he had to lay on him was pretty severe. My entire computer room was just you know, it's covered in blood. It's on the blood on the walls. There's, it's a mess. You know, it's a mess. It's hard to do this story justice in one entry. I would highly recommend watching the full video of Smith's interview about it because you think, oh, a pro fighter, surely this wouldn't be that scary for them. But to hear how Anthony describes it and everything that was going through his head, it's truly one of the most chilling stories I've ever heard. Number one, Chael Sonnen. Of course, the greatest storyteller in MMA, Chael the P is for Twain Sonnen would be number one. While he spun many a compelling yarn, the most memorable is without question a near Lynchian account of 
a disturbing incident told to him by two of his friends as they rode along in a car one night. I truly cannot do this story or it's telling any sort of justice, and it's way too long to include here, but the short of it is that on the set of an unnamed major motion picture, Chael's friend John was bound, beaten, and held at knife point by three men who were trying to force him into a dark, ominous hole. What makes this absolutely insane, though, besides what I just said, is that the mastermind of this bizarre assault was the other friend present with Chael and John in that very moment. I go, okay, wait a minute. You got three on one. Your feet were tied up. They tried to throw you in a hole that nobody to this day knows how deep it was. You clearly have Stockholm Syndrome. Yet here we all are in the car together in friendship. I am very confused. Even more bizarre than all of this even happening was the explanation Chael's friend gave as to who was truly wronged in this incident. For the record, all I wanted was him, it was him in the hole. I wanted nothing else. And if you look closer at this story, I'm the only one here who didn't get what he wanted. So there's no hero in this story, but there is a victim and it's me. But over time, I've forgiven John. In large part due to a popular video on the subject by YouTuber Zach Riddle, many believe that the sinister and psychologically manipulative antagonist of Chael's story is none other than the infamous fight judge Doug Crosby. The other friend's actual identity or how real this disturbing story is, I leave up to you to decide, but it's one of the most insane things I have ever heard. You know who would never try to force you into a hole? The editor of this video, Max Randall. Please give him big ups on his socials and tell him your favorite 90s R&B hit. Big thanks to Ben Rose as well for providing the soundtrack, follow him too, and the biggest of thank yous to our channel champions. If you love On Point and want even more exclusive content or want to have a voice in the creation process for our videos, consider becoming a member by clicking the join button below the video. Like and subscribe for more wacky stories, tell some of your own in the comments below, and thanks for joining me today, I'll see you guys around.